Hello and welcome back to the FAAA podcast brought to you, well, coming to you from the FAAA Congress in Adelaide. My name is Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Adam Crabb. Adam, welcome. Fraser, great to be back with you once again. Thank you for joining me. Now, we've had a chat before, but I'm sure this will be another another fantastic chat. We can chat for hours, actually. We can. Uh, now, you're presenting here uh, shortly. Yes, been uh, fortunate enough to present twice, in fact. So, I did uh, uh, was one of the panellists on the CFP Professional Connect conference we had uh, day one. And, uh, yeah, presenting again uh, uh, later on today. So looking forward to it. Well, fantastic. For those that don't know you or haven't come across you before, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, risk strategy specialist. So a uh, bit of an insurance uh, focus. Uh, was previously an advisor. Um, so I was uh, providing advice for, I think, 13-odd years before I joined the dark side. Worked in a licensee land for um, a little over five years and then uh, decided to really delve into uh, life risk, uh, more specifically by joining a, a provider. So I've been at Zurich now for almost uh, six years. And let's so. face it, there is no dark side, really. It's <laughs> no, just, uh, it's all good. It's all light sides. It is. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, you've been, uh, you've been managed to work in insurance, work with insurance, claim on insurance over the over your time. Uh, That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I guess for those who um, don't know me that well, um, I did have first hand with uh, insurance after suffering quite a significant accident on a motorcycle, gosh, three, three and a half years ago now. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, totally disabled off work for about um, three, six months back then. And um, so obviously to find out what that experience was like, of course. Of but course. No, yeah. it, um, I, it, I think it does give you a different appreciation for uh, for that sort of... Uh, not just the, the financial transaction, but certainly the mindset of what people often go through, which is, yes, financial, but often there's very much an emotional uh, piece uh, yep. that sort of goes with it and um, the support and um, advice experience, etc. So, uh, yeah, look, it was one that I wouldn't really want to relive, but uh, I can certainly say I've, I've enjoyed the, um, or certainly come out the other side uh, financially and, and uh, wiser, as it were. Yeah, I think you mentioned there uh, advice experience, and I mm. think uh, when advisors have been through many claims or or been through that side of the things, or they've seen somebody firsthand, or or, or like yourself, been through it yourself, uh, you get a, a new appreciation for the fact that when people say to you, "I don't really think I need this anymore," you, you you certainly come back with a, "Oh yes, you do." You do, and one of the things I've really appreciated, Fraser, is I've I've um, had some decent chats with some riskies uh, that are uh, working quite strongly in the advocacy space, and uh, often I think as advisors might think, "Well, does that?" involved needing to be really proficient with claims short answer is not at all in fact um, just being there to guide somebody uh, there may not even be an insurance claim as part of it if it's a motor vehicle accident it could be a work cover incident but just being there to provide support guidance uh, and just to kind of hear them out uh, can be such a massive differentiator and it's interesting when you look at many of these advocacy businesses they really promote that that wellness, yes, the financial side of things as well, but the, we're there to help you, guide you, um, you know, alleviate any concerns you've got, which then flows onto family. And as a referral source, it's, it's quite significant. Yeah, it's, it's well for anybody going through a claim. It's a confusing, confronting, and emotional time. And for the advisor, that all they really need to be is just have the logical in the background and be able to to bring that forth and move forward from there. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, tell us a little bit about your presentation uh, you've got coming up. So it's actually not too dissimilar to what we're talking here today. So uh, when the FAAA said, look, we'd love to have you part of the this year's Congress, um, I thought, why not do something uh, that's uh, a bit broad brush, so should appease really advisors of any speciality. I uh, didn't want it to be too technical on risk. Um, so really talking through the current landscape of, of life insurance and 
the opportunities that may exist regardless of your advice speciality. Um, so part of it actually we explore crowdfunding. So what does that look like in the current landscape, um, particularly those that are perhaps not yet seeking advice, uh, find themselves in a situation where suddenly their life is interrupted, so the presentation is called Life Interrupted, and um, what, what does that look like for the current consumer mindset? Um, so we sort of explore what uh, people tend to hold when it comes to something short through Group Super, how that compares, and it's drastically different to someone in an advised relationship, and obviously the flow and effect to that particular individual and, uh, and their family. Yeah, landscape's a really good word for it because it's kind of been this changing, evolving landscape, hasn't it? We've sort of, you know, for 20 or 30 years, risk was fairly much, fairly similar. There was a mm. few slight changes and, mm. and uh, a few, you know, competing with a slight, slight variations of the same sort of flavour. Um, but then the landscape changed completely. We had COVID, we had, you know, longer mental health scenarios, we had unprofitable, you know, moments, we had, we had regulators stepping in. Uh, where have we sort of settled from that now? And again, to pick up your word, I think settled. Um, I think the dust has settled slightly, but uh, you know, if I certainly the work we've done at Zurich, we are looking not just at the advice area, but also the consumer mindset. And you mentioned COVID in particular, and uh, not only the changes that have happened there with people's ability to work, but also cost of living pressures, interest rate rises. So we've done a bit of consumer testing to really understand what it is that people out there are concerned about, and what does that mean for advisors and. Uh, there seems to be a greater receptiveness to people's own health and well-being, and uh, we seem to be at a bit of a, a turning point, as it were, with people now really starting to re-engage, looking for um, you know professional expertise through an advisor to maybe help with their wealth protection needs, whether that includes the likes of a life insurance recommendation or not. Uh, but when we did some consumer twist testing of 25 to 50-year-olds, we found that um, things like cash flow advice, budgeting basic financial education and insurance planning recommendations were in the top five of the sorts of things that people today are looking for. So I think there's likely to be a shift where many advisors are perhaps looking to reignite their um, their passion or maybe look to partnering with perhaps a risk specialist advice business to be able to really make sure that consumers they're dealing with are indeed uh, you know, catered for from a holistic perspective. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the the advice landscape because I I'm interested to see how that's evolving. But but you mentioned consumers, and obviously a big part of your presentation is around that consumer research and understanding what consumers are thinking. Um, is it confusing for them? Has it been really com- quite confusing for them over the last? It few is. Years? Yeah, confusing for both consumers and for advisors, which yeah. which we'll chat about. But uh, definitely for consumers, absolutely. And interestingly, a lot of the work we've done is looked at. Um, the shifting way that people are even just getting access to what you and I and advisors would consider as basic knowledge uh, and they're not really receiving it. So uh, part of the work I've done um, recently is involved looking at even the, the uptake of certain financial related subjects at high school and you know, your mathematics or economics are actually on the decline whereas the more socially good community focused um, type you know, subjects are actually on the increase and now with this younger generation having completed their studies, coming into the workforce, you know, part of the intel that we've got around this basic financial education need is really something that people are looking for. They're not necessarily being taught this at an education level. They're hungry for that information. Uh, and many advisors are telling us they're actually happy to pay their advisor for that level of basic information. What is income tax? How do I maybe um, maximise my position? What is super all about? Should I be contributing to it? So these sorts of things that uh, maybe advisors are providing as a bit of a, an ad hoc or as a, a normal day-to-day, uh, they're suddenly reflipping that and it's become quite a, a, a revenue generator for that basic level of information. So to answer your question, yes, consumers are 
um, they're sort of struggling, they're finding it, it tough, uh, but there's a real willingness to want to partner with a professional to get access to what information they can to really um, see a betterment to their situation. Yep. Now, let's talk about the advisor landscape because I think uh, we've, we've been quite low with risk advice. You know, like risk advice became one of those things that was a very hard to provide at a, at a, at a level without uh, losing money, for example. Um, there was a lot of different variations in products. It was difficult to work out which is going to be the best going forward. There was, um, you know, products that were already in place that were better than the, the products that were available. Um we saw a decline in advisors. Talk, tell us about that. Yeah, look, you're 100% right. Uh, you know, if I think about the current advice landscape for risk uh, and certainly chatting with riskies, I find that the most common things I hear is complexity, uh, compliance and commission. So uh, products are far more complex. And uh, in fact, I think yesterday at the main plenary, Sarah Bird was mentioning that, you know, it's almost like life insurance has become or becoming that speciality. Uh, um, well, we sort of accept that, you know, with changes in IDI products, particularly, you know, 2021 now, um, it can appear to be quite complex, but with you know, some of the things we've already talked about around this basic financial knowledge, I think there are many advisors out there, perhaps even listening, who don't feel as though they're that competent when it comes to risk advice, can provide some significant value add. Um, you don't need to be a specialist uh, to be able to provide a decent um, or even open up the discussion for a client to say, look, here's an opportunity here. Let me at least partner you with a risk specialist that can provide you with that insight. Um, so it kind of reduces that need to be over the top of that complexity. Um, and compliance, I think, is another issue that uh, you know advisors are often telling us that the way in which they need to go through the process of providing documentation can be a little bit onerous, particularly when you add in the fact that the remuneration piece has decreased. So fingers crossed when QAR starts to make its way through that we do see some easing of you know, the documentation side of things. So, um, you know, if there was a reduction in what needs to be required from SOAs, ROAs, um, I think that in turn will actually start to see an improvement in the amount of uh, life risk advice maybe starting to be written once again uh, and perhaps even more advisors willing to look back into it to say, look, is this something that would provide a, a differentiator for them their business compared to maybe their, their colleagues that might be working in the community around them. Yeah, one of the other things that Sarah mentioned yesterday in her talk was the concept of bringing more people to the the profession, you know, bringing more people through universities, um, you know, doing their professional years, those sorts mm. of things. H- how do you see the risk um, area of advice sort of playing a part in trying to bring more people through and also, um, you know, if, if it is such a specialist thing, are these people going to be coming through and then doing more general stuff before they move into a specialism? So, yeah, um, are you saying that like advisors, new advisors, they don't see life yeah, risk as sexy? Like, well, I, I'm just trying to work out, um, you know, if, if we, we, we all acknowledge that we need more people in. We do. We all acknowledge. And then so how are we going to attract them to, a, to, a, to a risk uh, specialist? Yeah, I, I think... Uh, <laughs> It's probably the golden question, to be honest with you, Fraser. How do we how do we make this particular area of advice attractive for the up and coming professional? I think probably one of the best ways to do that is for if advisors have got PY planners coming into their business, uh, get them to share some of the stories that we see in our business, because often it's those sorts of stories that they hear which can actually resonate with that next generation. They probably don't think too much about morbidity, mortality, but as soon as they understand that, oh, you know. Joan in our office, who's age 36, was just diagnosed with breast cancer. This is what it's meant for her situation, family, inability to work. It maybe brings a level of reality to that situation. 
Um, so I think that's perhaps one way to go. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking as you're talking, there maybe relatedness as well. You know, like mm. if a younger person's coming in um, and thinking that they might be able to read every PDF. When I did, when I started uh, my advice business, read every PDS, understand every Fantastic. every part of it. But then also the clients that they're talking to could also be more their own age, if you yes. like. They're not necessarily um, coming in as a, as a university student going straight into a retirement planning scenario, for yep. example, where they might not be able to relate to the people that are... You're a rare breed, Fraser. Um, those that know me well know that I love to sit quite Friday night, bottle of red with a nice, fresh, pr- uh, crisp printed PDS there by my side. Uh, I think there's some gold in there. Uh, you know, if, if planners... Look, admittedly, they don't have a lot of time, um, but uh, when you understand the products beyond... Uh, you, you know, your likes of risk research type software, then um, there, is, there can be some fantastic value for... Uh, there's, there's always gold in there, especially yep. when you get a, 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 you know, a printed out version and a yellow highlighter. That's, wow. that's where the gold now starts really happening. <laughs> yeah, you can really start going, oh, that's where the actual wording <laughs> kicks in. You know, uh, but, you know you've, you've, if there's any marketing guff in there, you can simply spot it and you can get this to the gold. This is true. This yeah. is true. But look, I mean, we, we joke about this, but particularly if you're dealing with clients, um, and this is maybe even a call to action, if you're uh, dealing with uh, clients in a particular area, region, community that you're working in, um, really get to know the products that you're dealing with because particularly in the group space, the nature of change is significant. Um, I'm finding that some of these very large group providers are having to change their product wording um, every you know, three to four months. And uh, you know, it begs the question, if you are providing advice on that, are you really engaging with your clients on a quarterly basis? Um, purely because there's been a change, maybe not necessarily a massive change, but still a change in that product, which could mean an impact to the client circumstances, etc. So really being on top of the, the, the policy nuances, um, I think can put you in good stead as an advisor. Yep, fantastic. Now, you mentioned the three C's, compliance was sort of the one we sort of didn't... So compliance, uh, complexity and, uh, and commission, or cost, yep. effectively. So look, you know, from a commission point of view, um, it still is the leading remuneration for, for Riskies. Uh, part of the research we've done is uncovered around 90% um, of, of commissions drawn that way. But there does seem to be an increasing appetite to, you know, look at a, an additional remuneration model on top of that, typically through the likes of a fee-for-service. Um, not something that necessarily comes naturally or easily, I would think, particularly for Riskies, where um, often there's not even need to be a talk about you know, remuneration of, of, of another form other than the commission received from a, a product. But I think because of this com- complex market, the, the change in product nature and um, even the strategies that often underpin the work being done, whether it's through super, the policy ownership, the tax implications, um, some are really able to now better articulate the value, which is then being receptive to consumers saying, well, look, I get... You know, there's, there's the cost element for you, your work, and then, yes, there's that additional cost perhaps for the product, um, whatever that looks like. So, And then implementation, advocacy work, et cetera, et cetera. So there seems to be an increased um, discussion by many riskies of actually uh, applying a level of fee-for-service for the sorts of work they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, apart from commission and obviously a upfront advice fee, mm. I'm just, I'd be really interested to know if, if, if anybody else has discovered in a different way of, of charging or making things profitable? One of the things we've done, we've really looked at a, a lot of businesses across the country and the way in which they're doing it is quite quite unique. Um, I know a couple of practitioners who are um, simply charging a fee, simply, but they're charging a location-based fee. So if you're dealing with a consumer, let's just say they really want you as an advisor to come to their house, meet at their office, the um, advisor is saying, look, I'm more than happy to do that, but that's time away from my office, it's travel time, so that's 
you know, happy to provide that, but it will actually come at an additional cost. So um, while it's not likely to be a massive windfall for the advisor, it's, it's really a way to articulate, well, your time is precious and this is just something a little bit out of the norm, happy to, to facilitate it, but it's going to come at an additional cost. So when we talk about fees for service, it's not a case of, well, this is the work that needs to be done, the SOA fee and, and move on. They are really um, using quite unique ways to talk about the importance of their time and then you know, the cost relevant for that particular service they might want to uh, yeah very interesting very interesting well Adam thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today and and good luck with the presentation which is about to happen in in a few minutes time thank you Uh, we look forward to interviewing you next year or the next time we do this but uh, thank you for anybody wanting to reach out to their local Zurich BDM so it's the best way just that yeah so uh, uh, reach out to your your local contact uh, across the country and um, you know these are an incredible team of people that work very closely with other practitioners have some fantastic insights uh, much of which I've shared today but they are really on the ball so if you're curious as to what others are doing uh, other advisors are doing in your area reach out to your Zurich uh, contact and they can um, share some of that uh, that information fantastic thank you Adam always a pleasure Fraser thank you